Meat. What? Meat. BT. What are we fighting over, man? Yeah, baseball tickets. Yeah, tickets like baseball. to see the Cardinals. Everybody good with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, your first place Cardinals? Yeah, I can get uh, yeah. behind something like that. What about uh, your first place Cardinals on the night where they maybe celebrate uh, another hockey champion? Something like I that? I like that, too. Yeah. Uh, tickets to see the Cardinals celebrate the return of Blues Hockey. September <laughs> 13th. Did he sound like he was calling for a pig right that's there? What, that's see? what they do in Kansas. That's hockey. exactly what it sounded like. Who are you going like? to go watch? See? All right. No, yeah. Can, no, can I try were, this again? You know what? It was really natural for you to All do right. it that way. All right. Hold on. We'll, we'll, we'll redo it. Uh, That's better. Yeah. Oh, that uh, is meat uh, after he's had uh, a little lot, lubricant. A lot. Anyways, <laughs> we've got tickets to see the Cardinals celebrate the return of Blues Hockey on September 13th. The first 30,000 fans, 16 and older, will take home a Cardinals hockey sweater think you guys got yours today, by the way. Yeah, it looks uh, good. Looks great. You can get your tickets and uh, hopefully get your sweater at cardinals.com slash promotions. All right, let's bring in today's fighter. It's Zach. Zach, what's going on, man? How we doing? Good. How are you guys? Doing very, very well. You ready to take on Megamind today? Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. Question number one. The Cardinals and Giants square off again tonight. You know, Barry Bonds, he was pretty good for the Giants. He won seven total MVP awards in his career. What is the most he won consecutively with the Giants? Did he win three, four, or five of them in a row? Three. Question number two, Jack Flaherty flirted with a no-hitter last night. That's some good alliteration. Oh, Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, there is only one From pitcher. From the first to the fifth. But no blues hockey. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> anyway. At the state fair. <laughs> uh, Jack had a uh, almost a no-hitter last night. He flirted with it. There is only one pitcher. With two no-hitters in a Cardinal uniform, who is it? Is it Bob Forsh, Bob Gibson, or Bob Carpenter? Actually, it's Chris Carpenter. Uh, Bob Forsh. See you later. Way out of here. Way out of here. That thing's still going. Question number three, Zach. On this date in 1993, the famous Jim Abbott threw a no-hitter which arm did he throw with? Oh, oh what the? What? It's sports, guys. It's topical. It's was it his nice. right arm or his left arm? I believe he was a lefty. Uh, question number four. We should really read these before we, <laughs> we go to air with them. Question number four. Zeke Elliott is one of three running backs to lead the league in rushing yards per game in each of his first three seasons. Jim Brown also did it. Who is the other running back to accomplish that feat? Is it Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, or Earl Campbell? Hmm. I'll go Earl Campbell. All right, let's bring in Randy. Zach, how are we feeling? Eh, not that good. Okay. Nah, that's all right, man. You'll be okay. It's Wednesday. I just wanted to hear the most I like that you guys always play. Oh, oh we can oh. do that. <laughs> yeah. There it is. <laughs> There you go. So apparently in Arkansas, they say woo pig suey. Woo pig suey. Is that how it goes? Yeah, that's what they do at Arkansas games. At their games? Yep. That so makes what? sense. Get the razor back. Woo pig suey. Uh, Randy, before you say hi to the fighter, you got to hear the new blues call. Okay. 
some blues hockey. Yeah. Do you like it? He was trying to do the real, like the real blues hockey, and, and it came out came like out. he was blues no, hockey. I don't, think, I don't think that's what we want. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? Yeah, Gosh, it guys, I'm trying to trying to start something here. Yeah, that's like uh, starting that woo for. The nature, oh, you mean the Rick Flair the boy? Yeah, at the hockey games. If yeah, they, if they no start good. out bad this season, can I do that? So no. Some blues hockey. It's irritating. Oh, oh God. Let me give it to it's us really one more bad. time. Blues hockey. Oh, man. Now that Randy. Woo. There you go. Woo. Now we got it. Now we got Randy in the right frame of mind for a fight. Say hi to Zach. Hey, Zach. How are you? Good. How are you? Everything's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy, you ready for this? I'm ready. Question number one, the Cardinals and the Giants square off again tonight. Barry Bonds, he was pretty good for them. He won seven total MVP awards in his career. Mm. What is the mm. most he won consecutively with the Giants? That would be in a row? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that he won his last four in a row. I'm going to go with uh, four consecutively. I'm going to go with four. Question number two. Jack Flaherty flirted with a no-hitter last mm-hmm. night. Only one pitcher with two no-hitters in a Cardinals uniform. Who that? That would have been 1977 against Philly, 1983 against Montreal. That would be Bob Forsh. Question number three, Randy. On this date in 1993, the famous Jim Abbott. Pitched a no-hitter. I gave him a big hand. What the hell? What hand did he throw with? The one that he had. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> he was a lefty. Wow. Uh, we, we got a text <laughs> wow. a minute ago that made me laugh. It, from the 314, says, I like that the fighter got options for which arm Abbott used. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> question number four. Zeke Elliott is one of three running backs to lead the league in rushing yards per game in each of his first three seasons. Jim Brown also did it. Who is the other running back to accomplish it? I think I'll use the lifeline here. I've got a thought, and if it's in the lifeline, I'm going to go with it. All right, sounds good. You've got Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, Earl Campbell. I'll go Earl Campbell. We got a winner. Zach, man, he got you, but barely. That was a good fight. Four to three. It is four consecutive MVP awards that Barry Bonds won as a member of the Giants 2001 through 04. Bob Forsh is the only Cardinal pitcher to throw new uh, two no-hitters. It is, uh, he's a lefty. He's a lefty. Mm-hmm. Jim Abbott, left-handed, and threw a no-hitter on this date in 1993. And Earl Campbell, Jim Brown, and Zeke Elliott are the three running backs to lead the league in rushing yards per game each of their first three seasons. Zach, uh, thanks for playing and try again. All right. Thanks, Ed. Good to have Zach with us here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. And pretty soon we're going to tell you who the winner is of the uh, soccer tickets, two tickets to the U.S. men's national team game as they will take on Uruguay at Bush Stadium on September 10th. And, oh, by the way, the 
uh, Every Child's Hope Golf Tournament coming up on September 16th at Old Hickory. Uh, Every Child's Hope does amazing work in the community for kids that desperately need help. And we still need some foursomes, and we'd love to have you join. You can go to everychildshope.org to get your foursome in and enjoy some great lunch from bandanas, drinks from our friends at uh, Dr. Pepper Snapple, plus beer from Gray Eagle Distributors. We've got so many people that are so heavily involved and do such great work, and we're going to be broadcasting out there, too, so we'd love to have you out there. Yeah, and you come hang out with us. That's that's uh, that's yeah. fun. It's an awesome Bonus. tournament every year, it and it's a, it's a great turnout, but obviously uh, need a couple more. Get out. Yeah. Have fun. Enjoy. Call in sick for a day and go golf. It's a Monday. It's also a write-off. Can't you just take some clients there with you? Why not? Yeah, I would do that. Everychildshope.org is where you can get your foursome. I'm sorry. I'm just reading the text line. Did it say woo pig suey? No, it said what has nine arms and sucks? Def Leopard. Oh, damn it. That's not nice. They're supposed to have ten arms, but, but yeah, you know. Yeah, the drummer was missing an arm. Oh, okay, I get it. That's not nice. Good. It's 411. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up, Ivan Barbashev is back, and we'll talk about that and much more with our blues radio analyst here on 101 ESPN, Joey Vitale, talking some blues hockey next on 101 ESPN. It's always good to talk to our friend Joey Vitale, blues analyst here on 101 ESPN, analyst for the Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. And he's on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Joey V, how you doing, man? Randy, what's going on? I'm, I'm good. Hockey's just around the corner. I'm excited to get going again. It's unbelievable that we're less than two weeks away from games. I know, it really is. I was just chatting with Brad before I hopped on here. He's like, you know, sorry to bug you, Joe, for the day. I'm like, hey, you're not bugging me at all. This is about time we start getting rolling. We start talking about hockey. But, yeah, you're right. The guys are... They're skating down at the mills right now. Pretty soon they're going to be full-time at 17. And it uh, looks like almost the whole group is pretty much back out here. Jordan Bennington just showed up back in town a couple days ago. So it just feels like yesterday they won this whole doggone thing, and, and here we are. How much are you skating these days? You know what, Randy? I'm glad you asked that. I, I still uh, participate in the pickup league every uh, let's see, Tuesday morning at 6.30. Cam Jansen, my good friend Cam, runs it uh, 6.30 in the morning. At, you know, in, in Webster, and I tell you what, it's it's no joke. It is a up-tempo, full speed, uh, hitting every now and then. We've had a couple almost fights break out. Cam Jansen was leaking last summer. It's just kind of funny. You look at the clock, and it's 640 in the morning, and uh, Cam Jansen was split open. So it gets, it gets pretty intense. But, you know, you need that. You need that. I got I to I feed those juices. You know, I got that competitive in me still a little bit. So once a week, I, uh, I still mix it up a little bit. I'm actually hoping. You know, in my wildest dreams, I'm thinking one of these years while I'm in the broadcast booth, Craig Brewery or Doug Armstrong is going to give me a call. be like, hey, Joe, we have six, seven guys going down with the flu in the last couple hours. We want to suit them up again. I, I do it in a heartbeat. I've been waiting for the same thing. I've been waiting for a we, – we have every reliever not available. Uh, we need you today. Hell yes. I'm ready, baby. I am ready. I love it. I, I love the fact that you're still out there. And obviously, uh, look, that, that's your life. So it's uh, that, that's really cool. I was just thinking about it. As you mentioned, they're going to be heading over to uh, Centene. I mean, how cool is that? You you win your first Stanley Cup. Nothing is going to ever uh, be better than that. But then you you get a brand new like practice facility. You spend so much time there and like so much uh, so much of of your uh, time effort in a place. It's nice to have a comfortable brand new place to go into. That's going to be a very uh, a good gig for these guys. It really is. I mean, you I mean you break down. Uh, and I, I had I joked with Chris Zimmerman about this after they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, we were sitting around talking over some drinks, and I said, man. 
talk about timing. You win the Stanley Cup. You have this brand-new state-of-the-art facility coming up in the fall. You got the All-Star game coming here uh, and at the start of the new year. And he and Chris Zimmerman kind of gave me a wink. He kind of said, you know, Joey, I know exactly what I'm doing. And, you know, he kind of, like, joked around like he had planned this whole thing out. But uh, you're right. I mean, it's, it's just truly such a special time to be not only a St. Louisan, but especially a hockey fan. I mean, the Centene is literally state-of-the-art. I had a chance to go see it a couple weeks ago. Uh, with a finished product, just going to blow people's minds. Uh, they have a Chesterfield rink out there coming out as well. But for the Blues, you know, all, all due respect to the Mills, it was kind of starting to become a little bit run down. And I know that they, they made the move for a reason. I know the players are just going to be so geeked about going out there. Little things, you know, the weight room. The weight room is going to be kind of nicer. You know, there's going to be a training facility. There's going to be more room for the, the physical therapist to kind of do their thing. It's just going to be a comfortable setting. And, and make, make no uh, mistake about it, this team and these players and these coaches have certainly deserved it after the year they've had. And we sort of joked off the top about how this is uh, – it, it's just so soon. It feels like these games happening in a couple of weeks um, are happening so quickly from the end of the season. You know, I mean, this this offseason has been very, very short for these players, and so now we're looking ahead to the regular season and how they manage all of this and try to manage rest for players – it, what generally can they do to make sure some of these guys are, are getting the rest they need? Well, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, coming into training camp, you know, I expect these coaches, especially Craig Bruby, to really monitor ice time. You know, I don't think this is a situation we're going to see of Vladimir Tarasenko or Ryan O'Reilly in the first few games. I think the guys who log, especially those serious minutes down the stretch, the Colton Parecos, the Petrans, those Jay Bowmeister, I can only see him maybe getting in two or three, maybe later in the preseason. They're going to watch those guys' ice times. And I know for, for a fact these guys are they're, they're ready to get back. I mean, Alexander Steen's already skating again. I mean, I would have thought some of these older guys especially would have taken more time off. But I think it just kind of shows the, the excitement and the leadership of this group with those veterans already skating again. I know they're chomping at the bit, and I know everyone keeps saying, Stanley Cup hangover, how do you avoid it? Well, I, I really feel that from what I've seen over the league, especially in the last 10 years, there's not as much of a hangover in October. October's kind of that exciting time. The season's starting again. you got a lot of young players who are trying to make the team in October. So the team usually doesn't feel that hangover quite in October. So I don't expect to see them kind of fall off in the near future. The big question for me with the hangover, which I've seen with a lot of teams, is really it comes in November. That's when the excitement kind of fades a little bit, and then you really kind of see what you have, and that's when the legs really start to kind of catching up to you. You start feeling those June legs more so in November than October, but I know that with Craig Berube, um, to me, he's the number one reason that will keep this group in line. You know, he, when he was with Philly, they made it to the Stanley Cup final. He knows what it takes, and I know a lot of teams in the past who win the Stanley Cup – Maybe they come back. I can't think of a team in the last 10 years has had a tough of a coach and a more demanding coach than Craig Bruby. So I don't think Craig Bruby has hangover, uh, Stanley Cup hangover in his repertoire at all. He's going to get this guy. Uh, they're they're going to be chopping the bit to get going. And I know for a fact he's going to have this group up and running uh, sooner than later. Joey, speaking of hangovers, anybody heard from Hully? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was perfect, actually. He nailed it. I thought he was unbelievable. I thought he nailed it. Absolutely. (laughs) That's how you're supposed to celebrate, right? Like, you've been waiting for this for a long time, and you do it right. You know what? Honestly, and I mean this, 
you know, anyone who has a problem with Holly Dead, you know, I, I, I just tell him to zip it. You know, he's been this long. I mean, he is all St. Louis Blues hockey. He's been waiting for this as long as everyone. You know, we've all we've all been there before, and I actually applaud him. I thought it was terrific. I thought the energy was awesome, and I, it gave some people something to talk about. So all the power to you. If anyone can pull it off, it'd be him. Damn right. Do, well, do, do you feel like you went hard enough? You know what? I, I feel as if I did, and that's simply because of – uh, a pitcher got kind of thrown out on the one from Boston after game seven. And I am literally, uh, I'm just going to say I'm sleeping. I was sleeping on the plane and <laughs> someone put the Stanley cup next to me. And I feel like that pitcher kind of sums it up. I think I went about as hard as I could have gone that night. And uh, truthfully, the summer was, uh, it was terrific. I mean, party after party. I was just at another one yesterday and it just blows me away how people are still so gaga about this thing. And, and it's almost like I'm reading uh, The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien with my kids, and, and I'm starting to see, like, the Lord, the, you know, the Lord of the Rings, all those books and movies. Like, I watch the movies. Like, this Stanley Cup's like this freaking little ring. Like, everyone just can't get enough of it, and it's got all the power, and you, you want more power, and it's just like you just want to be around it. I mean, I'm so, seeing so many similarities as I read these books to my kids because it really is like that little ring, and people just can't get enough of it. It's pretty awesome. My precious. <laughs> Joey Vitale, you'd be a great fit in the fast lane, except for that reading books part. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say I'm like a a, a, liter- a literature major or anything like that. This is actually the thickest book I've ever read in my entire <laughs> life. So I'm struggling through it, but slowly, page by page, we're getting through it. Hey, I want to know, uh, when practice starts, what young players are you excited to see who do you think is going to intrigue you in those first couple of days of practice and when we talk about players getting less minutes somebody has to get more who are you intrigued by well bingo yeah randy i think you just said it best i mean with some minutes down there's gonna be minutes that are gonna be up you know i'm excited let's i mean let's just start out with the prospects prospect camp right around the corner uh, Clem Costin's going to be there. Mitch Ranke, he got one game last year. He was a black ace throughout the playoff stretch. To me, those are the two guys to watch in the prospect game. I know Clem Costin got a lot of, uh, you know, raised a lot of eyebrows and, you know, collected a lot of noise from what you know, happened to World Juniors last year. And I think he can be an impact player. You know, people talk about a lot, you know, September hockey, it's meaningless hockey. Well, that's a complete joke. Uh, it's meaningless for Vladimir Tarasenko, maybe meaningless for Alex Petrangelo, but this is a meaningful hockey some of these young kids like Clem Costin, Mitch Ranke. Uh, and then when you have main camp roll around, Sammy Blay, uh, Mackenzie McEachern, Zach Sanford. I know they had some good minutes, especially in the playoffs last year, but I'm telling you right now, someone's got to fill that hole in the third line for Pat Maroon. Will it be Mackenzie McEachern? Will it be Sammy Blay, who had a terrific camp last year? But then Mackenzie McEachern had a great camp as well. Mike Yo talked about him last year's camp, and then all of a sudden he gets called up, and then he gets a one-way deal halfway through the year from Doug Armstrong. Those are two players for, certainly to keep an eye on. You can't forget the Jordan Kairos in the mix, his speed, his speed alone. I thought he was the best forward in camp last year. He made the team out of camp simply, I think, through his performance in camp because at any point he could have been bumped down, but he made the team out of camp. His play dropped off a little bit. So I think those are the, those are the kind of players that you really got to keep an eye on. And again, this is meaningful hockey where some of these young guys have got to step up and, and really raise some eyebrows. You saw Sammy Blay, Jordan Kyrou really do it last year. Um, you know, another defenseman, um, Miko Mikola, another defenseman, big kid last year. I think he got three or four games when he maybe only should have been slotted in for one or two. Raise eyebrows. You want to get the coach's attention. Just get out there and get noticed 
and then hopefully you make the team, and that's when your play's got to really stay consistent. So, again, September may be, you know, kind of a slow, slow-paced hockey, but for me it gets me really excited because that's where some of these young guys really can step up. Yeah, Clem Costin is a name I think that Blues fans know, obviously, but maybe they don't know a lot about his game. When you look at Clem Costin, what is the upside? What, what draws your attention towards him? You know, I think he's got just really, really good vision. I think I, I really like him in the offensive zone. He's kind of got that good mix of, you know, he can really play with kind of some bite, but he's also got some skill around the net. I think he can play a big game. I don't think he's, like, obviously not as big as Pat Maroon, but I really like him for the sake of the fact that he just plays big. And I know it's kind of hard to explain, but, like, Braden Shen, you see I me, mean, you guys see him in the locker room. He doesn't strike you as someone who is, like, a very powerful guy. You look at him with his shirt off, he doesn't look too crazy big. But you see the game he plays. He plays a very heavy game. And what intrigues me most, most about Clem Costin is that with that style and how he's in the West. And the more I watch this league, the more it evolves in a way where, especially the Central Division, I mean, I think the West in general, but definitely the Central, you need heavy players. You need the Corey Perrys. You need the Jamie Benz, the Braden Shen. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, those are the kind of forwards that succeed in the West and especially the Central. So I really like the fact that he can play a really heavy game I mean, we all saw what he did in the World Juniors last year, and he raised a lot of eyebrows and just simply his play. But I think a little bit of his attitude. I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder, and I think you need that, especially when you're a young guy and you want to try to make a team. And, and listen, it's not easy. I've been there. I've been on the, on, on the cusp where you're kind of penciled in, maybe on the fifth line, and it's not easy to come in there and, and to kind of make your way, and people don't understand this. But, you know, when you're a 19-, 20-year-old kid and you're going up, up against veterans and you kind of want to be their buddy because you're a team, but also you're fighting for a job, and it's not easy. So I think you need that chip on your shoulder. I think you got to have a little arrogance, just a little bit of an ego, maybe a little cockiness, just enough, where you're not worried about the guy ahead of you. You're not worried about pissing off the 10-year veteran to, to possibly take his job. But I think uh, Tim Costin certainly has shown that he's capable of all those things. You mentioned Pat Maroon earlier. Uh, he's off to another team, a really good one, in fact. You've got uh, Joel Edmondson signs his deal. Barbashev signs his contract. Do you like where the Blues roster is right now? And it, you know, with everything considered, in, in, including how much cap space is left? I think it's terrific. I mean, honestly, God, I think Doug Armstrong has done uh, an incredible job going back to last summer. Obviously, we saw what happened in the Stanley Cup final, winning the Stanley Cup, and then he went right back to work this summer. I mean, to think of that the team that won the Stanley Cup, you're bringing that exact team back except Pat Maroon. I mean, that to me is crazy. And if you ask me after they won the Stanley Cup, Joe, you're bringing the exact same team back except one player, who are you cutting loose? I would say Pat Maroon because he's done everything he needs to do here. There's really nothing more he can do. And I think it would be a perfect situation for him to go off and make a little bit extra money before, you know, hopefully he has one, hopefully two, three more years, but makes a little money before he goes. So with that being said, the group coming back is pretty much intact. I think to fill that hole of Pat Maroon, like we mentioned, is Sammy Blay, is Zach Sanford, uh, Mackenzie McEachern, who can play heavy, who can play heavy on that third line, move their body, get in front, be a big net from presence. So really, to me, that's a hole that is definitely fillable. If you look at the goalie situation, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but we're flirting probably around $8-9 million with Jake Allen and Jordan Bennington together. And you put that money in perspective, Vasilevsky's making that alone you know what i mean uh, all these uh carry up in montreal he's making that alone you're splitting that that difference between two excellent premier elite goaltenders i love the goalie situation of course we're bringing all the defensemen back i love the joel emerson he's kind of gonna add a little bit of that spark that edge you know he may be the odd man out come opening night i mean you never really know i i do see gunnerson up there with petrangelo lord willing he stays healthy 
Uh, but the forward, obviously, that Chen Tarasenko line is going to be the first line. You got Ryan O'Reilly right underneath there, and I'm really excited and intrigued to see how Robert Thomas's game evolves. We loved him last year. He had a really slow start to the year. The Blues stuck with him. That paid dividends. He was kind of hanging on the wing. He's a natural centerman. Where does he fit in the lineup as far as second, third line? Do they move him? Do they slot him to the middle at some point? Maybe move Shen back to the wing? To me, that's a big one because not only just the success of this year, but this is a kid they're high on and they want to be a part of this organization for a long time. So it is going to be interesting to see how the growing pains begin this year for his sophomore year and how the coaches and how the management uh, really kind of just look at his game, his style, and, and where it fits in his organization because I think he's a stud. You mentioned uh, Robert Thomas, and I'm thinking that aside from the parade, maybe the best thing that's happened this offseason is Robert Thomas getting to meet Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20. It happened about a week ago. I saw that. 3 a.m. was like my jam. I want to say like sixth grade. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I figure like sixth grade, you can kind of do the math. Um, yeah, Matchbox 20, man, they were they were lights out awesome. I saw that. And, and John Mayer, you see this last night, Jordan Bennington, and I believe Joel Edmonton met John Mayer. I think John Mayer was crushing the guitar solo with the Bennington Stanley Cup jersey. Uh, you know, it's just those are the things when you win, you never think about. You think about the parade, right? You think about your cup day, but you don't ever think about what are the other things that kind of come with the package of winning the Stanley Cup and all these, you know, awesome like luxuries that come along with it. And so some of these players meeting some of their stars and they go out to Vegas and they go to the shows. And it's just uh, pretty remarkable. But yeah, whenever you can combine hockey, with music, I think it's an awesome combination because so many of these players, I mean, they're just music absolute nutheads. I mean, at the very top, Ryan O'Reilly is just a music nut. And uh, whenever you, I know these guys love going to these concerts, and then whenever they can meet the artists, it's always kind of a cool combination to see. Uh, and then to see who, who goes to what concerts, too, that's always an intriguing one for me. But I would have I would have guessed that Joel Edmondson and Jordan Bennington were probably John Mayer fans, just based off how they dress and the style they the style they have that approach <laughs> uh, with the coming to the locker room every day. Joey V, you're the best. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it, and we will see you next week. Hey, can't wait to talk more about this season, guys, and looking forward to the partnership, and, and let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. Joey Vitale, he is our Blues analyst, along with Chris Kerber, the play-by-play man on Blues Hockey here on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals have started to figure things out in the second half of the season, and it all starts with winning games on their home field. That's next on 101 ESPN. Well, the Cardinals are 45 and 25 at home this season. That's a 6.43 winning percentage after going 43 and 38 last year. That's a 5.31. They did have a 5.43 winning percentage in 2017 when they went 44 and 37, and in 2016 that was bad. They were 38 and 43 at home. They have been red hot at home of late, of course, and that's one of the things that you have to do to win. If you just abide by the old adage. Win two out of three at home and play 500 on the road. You're going to win your division. Yeah, yeah, no, I know you're right. And it's just so nice. And even though the last couple of years the, the numbers have been good, they haven't been this good, you know. And there is a feeling now, and certainly it's one that has taken flight here a little bit more through August because they were 12-1 and one at Bush Stadium during August. But you feel like, as a fan, if you go to a game right now at Bush – you feel like they're going to win mm-hmm. because that's what they're doing. And this does happen. It, it permeates when you are an opposition, when you're a team coming in, 
and you have all the numbers too. You know what teams are doing. And it might even be a talking point. Hey, these guys are really good here. We're really going to have to focus on the details. Look, that's it. That's an edge. It's an advantage. And it doesn't have to be an intimidating place. We were hitting on uh, the other day. We were talking about San Francisco and Philadelphia and other places uh, where uh, you would look at it and might say it's more of an intimidating place because uh, fans are on top of you and they're yelling all the time. No, what, what's intimidating is uh, winning and teams that, that play their best baseball at at their building. That can be intimidating. The Cardinals have some of that. I don't think you'd look at the Cardinals team and say, oh, man, these guys just top to bottom are, are scary. It's not like it was when the MV3 was around, okay? that You don't see Pujols, Roland, and Edmonds and, and on this ball club right now, and there's that fear of just the, the guys that are out there. But there is a – you're on notice when a team is, is playing as well as they are, especially in their building, and it might be in the back of your head a little bit. There are only a few teams that are better at home than the Cardinals. The Dodgers having a great season. The Houston Astros having a great season. And the New York Yankees having a great season. All of those teams have over 50 wins in their ballparks. And that's uh, you're right, Randy, it's, it's an old adage, but it's absolutely true. If you take care of business in your ballpark, you make everything else so much easier on yourselves. And it's not just a, it's not just a home record. It's also the record within your division. You play a ton mm-hmm. of games against division opponents. You want to have a winning record against those teams. And the Cardinals have been doing that, with the exception of, and I believe it's five and seven, They've been so far against the Cubs, but their um, overall record against the division is thirty-eight twenty-four. I think that's right. I mean, they're they're over five hundred, well over five hundred against all the other teams in the division. So that's the recipe. That's the formula for being where they are right now. It's funny you mentioned how they're playing at home and how you just kind of figure that yeah they're going to find a way to win. That's how I felt on Sunday night. I was in the ballpark. They're down by was I think a one or two, and I thought yeah, oh, yeah, five, it, was, it was a couple. And I go, yeah, they're gonna come back. I mean, they didn't do it, but that's the feeling you have when you're in the ballpark right now. You just you assume they're gonna put something together. They're at least going to tie the game. Well, up. and isn't that the story of a season? Because it. <laughs> It was not that long ago where you just assumed that something bad was they're gonna going find to happen. They're going to find a way to not win. Yeah, it's like, yeah. ah, yes. they've got an early lead, but nah, they're going to screw this up. You yeah. know, it's uh, it's amazing how far we've come here in a couple of months. Right. Well, 21 and 6 in their last 27 at home. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned the division 38 and 25 in the division. But if you can uh, keep that up at 21 and 6, that's some winning ball. As a matter of fact, that record is good enough so that uh, you. You have that kind of record in the playoffs. You just win one road game, and then everything else is uh, is on the table. You can win anything. I'm glad we're talking about ro- uh, playoffs and road games and, and all kinds of fun stuff, and, and there's not a punchline at the end of it. So playoffs? Like, playoffs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't think too? we'd be doing this. Yeah, you think about Brian Price saying that, hey, we just don't think that we can win in St. Louis, the former Reds manager. And when things happened to the Reds like happened last week, I was thinking about that when he said that. Because when you lose games in the bottom of the ninth like the Reds did last weekend, oh. that has to make you feel, oh, here we go again. Yeah, for sure it does. And that's how their season has been going recently. They they had uh, – uh, we all knew that it was a year too early for the Reds anyhow. I mean, there was a, a lot of time during the year where they were in the thick of things. But you, you knew it was a year too early. But 
when you're going down the stretch and there's an outside chance that you're going to be a playoff team, if you don't catch some breaks, you're going to be in some trouble. They ran into the Cubs in Chicago. That didn't go their way. They got swept in Pittsburgh uh, a week ago, which really hurt them. And then they come into St. Louis, and it looks like they have a couple of these games or at least have an opportunity uh, in each one of these games, and your heart gets broken three times in a row. That will uh, that'll kill you in, in, mm-hmm. at the end of a season. It's all it's demoralizing too, you know. When you it, it, when you play a game like, and I know again, it was a a really unusual thing that happened to the Mets last night, yeah. and we we talked about that earlier. Losing that six run lead in the ninth it doesn't matter if it's six runs or if it's a couple. If you have a lead in the ninth inning and you lose a game that way. I'm not sure there's any other worse way to lose than feel like you have something in hand and then drop it. And I, I do believe there's a morale effect, a negative morale effect yeah. against your team if you're consistently dropping games like that. And by the way, the Mets rebounded today with an 8-4 win over Washington. So if the Cardinals can get a victory tonight against Bumgarner and the Giants, they will own by themselves the third best record in the National League. The Dodgers, of course, with the best record, Braves, and right now the Cardinals and Nationals are tied for the third best record in the National League. So doesn't matter how you got there. If you have the third best record in your league, you're doing something pretty good. It's the Fast Lane uh, 101 ESPN. And next up, sports gambling is the future, and sports fans love to gamble on the NFL. How can the league make the most of their opportunity? That's next on 101 ESPN. According to survey results released by the American Gaming Association, 38 million Americans, that would be 15% of the adult population, plan to bet on the NFL this season. Now, that includes office pools, survivor pools, things like that, fantasy leagues, and placing bets with online bookmakers, just as they have for decades. The difference this year is the increased number of legal sports books operating in the United States. The national survey of 11,001 adults. I wonder why they just didn't stop at 11,000. Well, one was probably standing there. You know it's awkward when you ask somebody a question but not the person yeah. next to them? Good point. That's probably exactly what happened. The survey found that Americans are gravitating toward the expanding legal sports betting market, a projected 7 million adults, up from, up 20.6% from last year, are expected to bet at a casino sports book this season. And... That just makes sense to me because I'm sure that there were people that felt like, oh, I'm doing something illegal if you bet illegally. But now that it's legal and you think you know football, rather than just circle a bunch of teams on a particular given date, go in and bet on them. Why yeah, not? I, and I, I think that for a lot of people, even if you don't like think you know football all the time, it just gives that little extra edge. Same way that people do the uh, during March Madness, they fill out their brackets. And maybe you put 20 bucks into it and say, oh, let's see what happens. We'll have a little fun here. You can do the same thing on Sundays, you know, and you can have a little fun with that. And there are different contests, other things that you can do. Uh, now, sports uh, sports betting is sitting, I think, currently at 11 states. That is legalized. Uh, Illinois is pending. I think it's legal, but still pending the launch, so it's not legal yet. There's still uh, maybe it's a next year thing. Will be a next year thing, but this is so prevalent overall, and it's becoming more and more prevalent 
that it would be a mistake for the league and for the networks to not start tailoring a little bit of your content around it. Right. You already have a partner. The NFL partnered with Caesars Entertainment Group just this past January as their official gaming sponsor. And there are a handful of teams that are also partnered with Caesars. So Caesars can use all their likeness. They can do, uh, you know, they can use video. They can use stats that the NFL has. And uh, for a long time, the NFL just said, no, that's not it. We're not about gambling. We're not about any of this. And they fell way behind. And they finally figured, all right, well, we better get on this. We're going to see big-time changes in the way that we consume football, baseball, basketball. We're going to consume everything differently. Yeah, I wonder how they're going to tailor that message, too. Because, you, I I mean, I would think as as a sports observer who doesn't really gamble, I still kind of want to see that stuff, and I don't – I mean, how much do you want to encourage people to go out and do it? Is the best way – and again, for somebody who's not really a gambling expert, is it the best to just tell people that, hey, if you plop down 50 bucks and you lose it, all you have to do is bet 100 next time because you'll just make it right back up? No, you don't have to tell people how to spend their money, but you put it out there. So here's a number that really pops out to me in this uh, this survey is 75% of bettors say they're more likely to watch a game that they bet on. So to me, if if I'm the league – I'm going to put it out there. I'm also going to have my partner where I get a piece of this pie, too. Like, you know, whatever the sports book is, Caesars at this point. Um, I know that if I've got you with some sort of financial commitment here that is outside of your season tickets or outside of whatever you buy if you live in a market where there is football, if you have that commitment, your eyes are going to be on the product. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I can tell my people. Uh, I, I can tell all of the advertisers that are out there, all the people spending the big dollars, Look at all these new eyes that are on here because of this gambling. That's why the NFL is what it is. Okay, let's move into the trust zone. Uh, Both of you, did you ever lose time from work or school due to gambling, yes or no? Uh, Trick question. Because I think part of this job is digging into sports lines and stuff like that. So technically... Previous jobs? No, no, for sure. Getting thrown out of a minor league baseball game? Oh, yeah. No, yep, I did then. Okay, Raj? Uh, No. Okay. <laughs> they were doing uh, our, our guy what... Kyle Elfrink, and remind me to bring this up. If we have him on the show tomorrow. Okay. They were doing a segment uh, a couple of weeks ago on uh, weirdest places you've done a draft from, uh-huh. and they wanted people to call oh, in. Yeah. I wanted to call. I'm like, oh, I did man. it in the bathroom in uh, I forget where where it was. Might have been uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, <laughs> awesome. after getting kicked out of a game oh, wow. on purpose, so that you could yeah. do a fantasy well, football. Well, day. you know, I I had planned on just going. in in and being a horrible teammate in drafting uh but our manager got kicked out of the game first so i couldn't just go in there he was already there so i had to get ran as well well as you know there are a lot of players who will you know they'll they'll do pools or they'll gamble on a different sport not their own yeah it happens all right and i know it's i I know it may be frowned upon they probably your teams probably don't want you to do it but it does happen anyway. Okay. I can tell you a story. More, oh, hold on more, a second, Randy. Okay. Right, unless, unless you've got something really Well, good. I got this quiz I have to. Oh, oh, well, has gambling ever made oh, your geez. home life unhappy? Okay. I uh, know. Uh, did no. gambling affect your reputation? No. No. Have you ever felt remorse after gambling? Yeah, every time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did you ever gamble to get money with which to pay debts or otherwise solve financial difficulties? Nope. Did gambling cause a decrease in your ambition or efficiency? 
No. Okay. <laughs> After losing, did you feel you must return as soon as possible to win back your losses? Yes. Okay. <laughs> See, that's it. You just bet double next uh, time. After win, did you have a strong urge to return and win more? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. See, and we're in the trust zone here. Did you often gamble until your last dollar was gone? Correct. Yes. Done that. I woke up with several receipts back in the day that said insufficient funds. Oh, oh man. No. Did you ever borrow to finance your gambling? No, never did that. Have you ever sold anything to finance gambling? No. Were you reluctant to use gambling money for normal expenditures? No. No, money's money. Okay. Did gambling make you careless of the welfare of yourself? No. Okay. Did you ever gamble longer than you had planned? Yes. Okay. Does this count any gambling, by the way, like table yeah. games, anything? Yeah, it does. Oh, okay. This opens up yeah. a whole new... Have you ever gambled to escape worry or trouble? No. Have you ever committed or considered committing an illegal act to finance gambling? No. Did gambling cause you to have difficulty sleeping? No. Um, yeah, sometimes you got to check scores late at night, yeah, maybe. I, 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 I'll go yes. Okay. And uh, do arguments, disappointments, or frustration create within you an urge to gamble? <laughs> I am so mad right now. I need to place a bet on something. <laughs> no, I've no. never had okay. that. Two more. Did you ever uh, have an urge to celebrate any good fortune by a few hours of gambling? No. And have you ever considered self-destruction as a result of your gambling? No, I have not. So you are right there on the edge. Whew. Most compulsive gamblers will answer yes to at least seven of these questions. You answered yes to seven. Okay. Regardless of how many questions you answered affirmatively, if you feel you have a problem, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah. So you're fine. Right you got to be careful. You're fine. Right. Totally fine. Yeah, seven. You're fine. And yeah, I but... answer that fairly honestly. Okay. As long as you have enough money that you can gamble and not worry about it. That's right. Ron, you had a uh, story? Oh, sorry. So, I, I interrupted. Well, that's all right. So football, football season starts, and we were talking about how in baseball, September is one of the best months. Yes. You know, second best October. And how attention gets taken away from baseball because of football. And there was one season the Sox were terrible. And Ozzy was still the manager. And they've got the, you know, in the dugout where the water cooler is, and there's probably a little stand on the steps that the cooler sits in. There was a flap that opened up, where, like a little compartment. You could store extra cups or uh -huh. whatever inside this. And so they asked Ozzy, and this was like, I think, two weeks left to go in the regular season oh, baseball. No, he didn't. They're like, hey, can we, just put, can we just put the iPad in here and watch football? It was a Sunday afternoon. A, a one o'clock game, and they wanted to watch in the TV. They wanted to watch TV inside this thing. And he's like, yeah, it's cool. Just don't let anybody in the stand see it. So they were sitting in the dugout watching football huddled around that little compartment where the water cooler is outside while of, the game uh, is going fantastic. on. Outside of betting um, against your team, that might be the worst managerial thing that I've is, ever heard of. It's, That's hideous. It's, it's, I mean, it's hysterical that yeah. that happened. Outside but, of his Castro comments, that's like <laughs> number watching two. Watching football. Everybody knows, oh. though, that NFL is king. That's why golf moved their whole season back so that it ends two weeks before the NFL season starts because yeah. they know that if they're running golf on TV against the NFL, they're just going to get dominated and it's not worth even doing it. Well, it, it's amazing that sometimes well, – don't they do that for MLB playoffs? They try not to play on Monday nights. Yeah, right. Even though it's an early regular season game, that, that doesn't mean nearly as much as a uh, any kind of baseball playoff game means, and people still will tune in to watch it. Yeah. It's incredible.
Coming up, the Bears and the Packers kick off the NFL season tomorrow night, and let's just say the rivalry is still alive. The rivalry is still, still alive. alive. We'll prove it next before Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN.